I'm an open book. I, I don't mind talking about anything. I like talking about everything. Welcome to the Small Steps Big Wins podcast. I'm dedicated to helping you take control of your life. Together, we'll explore practical tips, expert advice, and inspiring stories to help you overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Making small changes is possible and can lead to big results. Are you ready? Let's go do this. Pat, welcome back. I'm so glad we could pick up on the conversation where we left off. I am excited. Me too, Sue. Thanks for Are doing you? this and thanks for doing it early. I was looking at my schedule. I was like, hmm, I got a mastermind in Charlotte, North Carolina that day. Let's let's do it today. And you were you were very flexible. So I appreciate yeah. your flexibility and going with the flow. Yeah. Hey, that's what life is, right? You know, all in flow is best to my ability. Actually, my coach really he encouraged me. He's like do as many podcasts as you can it, from now until the end of September. He said, because you're taking the entire month of October off. What was the impetus for that advice? So the rationale was because I still work a 40 hour a week job oh. and I do most of them at night. And I think his rationale for just taking a break in October is that I'm going to regroup a little bit have a different kind of perspective on the podcast. I'm slowly moving into the next season of my life. And I believe my calling is just to be a coach and to help people and to build out my podcast. So I need a little bit of brain time to think that through. Okay. So I think that was his rationale well, and I'm okay with good. it. Be yeah, because with all of these podcasts, actually with everybody that I have booked between now and the end of September, it takes me out to first week in January, I think. Throttle on, throttle off. I like it. Yep. Yep. So yeah, he, he finds that that helps him because he's pretty intense and, you know, it resonated with me. Take a little bit of a break. So I want to pick up where we left off the last time. We never got a chance to dive into some of the books that you have written or co-authored. And we touched a little bit on the six steps to seven figures, but I was going to circle round back to Tribe of Millionaires and the Quitters Manifesto. So let's go Tribe of Millionaires first. Do you know, I read that book for the first time last year. I read the whole book. I got to the end and I went, are there really people out there that are like this? Like, I didn't think a tribe like that existed. And that one question that I asked myself actually led me down a series of different paths that, that I eventually wound up part of Emerge, which is part of GoBundance, which is what the book is based off of. So talk to me a little bit about how did the book come about? Because I know you co-authored it with David Osborne and, and Tim's there and Mike McCarthy. How long did it take to write it? Well, you know, there's a fallacy out there or an illusion out there that nonfiction books are written by the author. <clears throat> Very few are. I mean, if you go to some of the classics, they were written 50 years ago, you know, yes, unequivocally, they were written by the author. And, you know, in, in today's world, most nonfiction books were inspired by the author with some creativity by the author, but not written by the author. And, and with Tribe of Millionaires, that's exactly how we did it. We inspired it 
threw out some ideas to a ghostwriter. That ghostwriter, we had a GoBundance trip planned for Japan. And we had 25 GoBundance members going to Japan. We invited him. He invited himself. He, he thought it would be really a great way for him to learn about GoBundance. He came to Japan. He sat on the bus next to all of the members. He interviewed them one by one. He had coffee with them. He walked around with them. He watched them. And then he wrote Tribe of Millionaires. And the characters in the book are not from specific members of GoBundance, but they're actually made up of maybe four or five members each. So, you know, one character might have the mannerisms of a real person that he met in Japan and have the thought processes of another one and have the looks of a, of a third. And he created a character out of that. And that's wow. how the book, that's how the book was written. <laughs> that's amazing. And you know what? You answered one of my questions. I was going to ask you, were any of the characters patterned after the real members? Because I went back and reread the book after I got to know some of the members of GoBundance. I'm like, oh, I can see that person there or that person there. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's I'm true. I, I think that, you know, I, I let my wife and kids, my wife and kids read it and I asked them and, you know, they saw some of me in. Mm -hmm. some of the characters but not so much where they could say that was you you know what i mean that mm -hmm. was that was written after you so I, I don't think any of them were written after anybody though yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i saw i saw some of you in there i can't remember the names of the actual characters but i remember you in there and i could see a little bit of david in there and i could see a little bit of tim in there too i don't know mm -hmm. mike as well so it was it was really a good read it was very thought provo provoking as well and what it did for me is that it just made me realize that there is purpose in life and that there's something bigger out there that we can go and achieve. It's not just about me and that I can be bigger. I can be that person who I didn't think I could be and that, you know, just kind of opened my eyes. So mm -hmm. why a ghostwriter? Now I'm curious, why would you hire a ghostwriter? Because I don't know much about writing and publishing and producing. Well, I think it, it, the selfish reason is haste. You know what I mean? Like we're not, I don't have a degree in creative writing. I don't understand that that job. And, you know, truth be told, we if we were to write it, it probably wouldn't be very good. You know, it'd be amateurish. It'd be unprofessional. So so we hired a professional to do it, and we also wanted to get it done quickly, and we wanted to get it done right, and we didn't want it to be a piece of crap. Like, we didn't want it, we didn't want to put something out there and be like, oh, that's junk. You know what I mean? There's people I know with, with you know, 34 self-published books, and they're all terrible, and it's like, well, why are you even putting these out? Because no one's reading them. We wanted to put something out that people would read that people would refer to other people and that sort of thing. So you should know it was worthwhile for us to pay the money for this guy to fly to Japan and for this guy to, to write it. And he, you know, he charged by the word. So it wasn't cheap, but it was worth it. And you know what, that kind of embodies what I've learned from GoBundance members along the way where operate in your strengths and then understand where your weaknesses are and then go find somebody who has that strength that is your weakness. 
So that's exactly what you guys did, you know? Right. Rather than trying to build that muscle yourself. Yeah. That makes complete sense. So quitters manifesto. So, (laughs) you know, that was an idea during COVID, you know, everybody was quitting. Everybody was quiet quitting. Everybody was making a lot of agitated moves in their careers with what they were doing. There's a lot of stimulus money out there. People, you know, had money to quit and start businesses. And Tim and I came up with the idea. It seemed like an intelligent thing to create for that period of time, for that vintage. And so the same thing, we hired the same guy, Dan Clements is his name. We hired Dan. Tim and I had had a lot more direction of where we wanted it to go, but Dan was a he was excited about it. He liked it. He he thought it was really cool, and so kind of he was like a you know he was a good partner to have in crime there. And of course, he got paid up front, and we got paid in royalty. So it was a little, mm-hmm. you know that's kind of how we did it, and it, you know that was that was that. Do you feel like it accomplished what you guys set out to do with it or what it was intended? Yeah. I mean, people emailed us and people wrote reviews and said, Hey, guess what? I quit. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I quit and I'm happy. I quit and thank you so much. And is very effective book. And I still think it is. I think it's a great book for that person. The audience isn't as huge as it was. Obviously, it dissipated. Now people are kind of back to their seriousness and 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 long term job prospects and mm-hmm. all their stimulus money is gone and and it's a different mentality now. But I think the 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 need to be able to quit a forty hour work week and start your own business and do what you love if you don't love what you're doing now, that is, will always be there. And I think that the book every year will continue to help people. I hope that it stays a classic book and that, you know, 30 years from now, people are still using it and it still makes sense, which is my hope. (laughs) Well, I'll chime in with my two cents. I read the book from front to back and this started back in April and I actually struck up a conversation with Tim and he's like, you know, I think you should read this book. I was toying with that back in April. And what I found out of the book is that I'm a very practical oriented person. And I found that every page as I was reading, it was filled with practical application. And so when I worked through it and got to the end, I felt confident that I had covered all of my bases that I needed to cover in order to quit my job. And what I liked was that you guys addressed, you know, common fears, questions. And then what I also enjoyed was sprinkled in between were stories of actual people who quit their jobs and what they went into and some of their struggles, some of their challenges, some of their wins as well. And, you know, that I appreciated because it made it more real. It wasn't just here. These are all the steps that you have to do. It's here are all the steps you have to do. And here's people who did those steps and their outcome. I enjoyed the book very much. So it's not a heavy read. It's not a big, giant, thick book, which is actually nice because you feel like you can get from 
beginning to end without being overwhelmed. But I found that every couple of pages I had to stop and digest and then put into action what I just read. So for me personally, I enjoyed it. And then everybody I know who's quitting, I send them a copy of the book and recommend it. So thank you. Here's some feedback to you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad you wrote it. I think, you know, it's, I think books like podcasts are funny things. There's probably more people out there that have benefited than what you really know of because some just don't go back and say anything. Mm. So I also know that you, you've been a coach as well, right? Do you used to coach um, people? Indirectly. I, I never really coached per hour or anything like that. I just did it for free or, or mm -hmm. I did it from the stage, but yeah, no, I never really coached. I mean, the people that worked for me, I coached, you know, I had a real estate company and I coached the agents that worked for me, but no, I never did one-on-one -on -one coaching. Yeah. Okay. Money, Cause in return for money. Okay. Now I was just wondering what your experience was or, you know, like common mindsets or common habits that you observed, you know, in the people that you have coached that might have held them back from reaching their full potential. You know, I think the number one answer to that is simply just belief. Yeah. I think that most people are not naive enough, like not, they're just not daft enough. And I'm using negative terms because I think intelligence and thoughtfulness creates attention with belief. And I think that faith and ignorance dissipates attention with, with, with belief, which, which the path to success makes success easier. I, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't know what you don't know. There's, there's a, there's an old saying that you don't know what you don't know. You just, it means you just, you don't know. So you just, you did it because you didn't think that you, couldn't um yeah. there's some double negatives there but that's that's the whole point that's you know i think that that's what most people lack when it comes to success it's just the belief that they can or better yet not having the disbelief i think that as what, what you have to understand as in america from the day that a child is born until they're 18, they are told what not to do, you know, about 30 mm. times more than what, than them being told what to do or, or given a compliment. So a two-year-old boy is, is, don't touch that wire, you know, don't get food on your mouth. You, you know, but you're just telling them what to do constantly, all, all negative, no, no encouragement. You probably do that 30 times for every encouraging word. Good job. So by the time you reach 18, your subconscious is such that you believe you can't do things or you shouldn't do things. Or if you do do things, something bad will happen. So you don't do them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that mold has to be broken. And if you could break that mold and just have faith and just believe that you can do things, that's 80% of the battle, I believe. What are some suggestions that you would have for breaking that mold? Well, you, you know, the easiest one is, so what you got to realize is it is your subconscious mind. Like that's the only mm -hmm. thing that's really in your way is yourself. So 
the, what what are the ways to break this the subconscious mind is is through affirmations it's just through telling yourself that you can setting a goal and putting that goal in an affirmative statement as if it is already happening until it manifests and you know i talk about this in my first book six steps to seven figures of just pretty much everything in my first 20 years of success was created through affirmations i would set a very large goal then i would break that very large goal down into daily goals small goals what needed to occur in order to manifest that because you know affirmation without discipline is insanity so you write the affirmation i am a millionaire you write the daily goal of I save a dollar a day or $10 a day and, and don't spend it, or I do a podcast a day, or I do a, a podcast a day that generates me $100, whatever the daily activity is related to money and related to getting that money. And then you listen to it over and over again. You, you record it on your phone and you just listen to it over and over again until one of two things happens. Number one, you stop listening and you quit. Or number two, it, it manifests itself. And inevitably, one, or, one of those two are going to happen. Uh, and for me, most of the time, the latter happened because uh, I didn't give up. I just kept listening to it. There were some affirmations that didn't happen the year that I wanted them to, but you know, I kept them on my subconscious affirmation tape let's say for five years. And then finally, mm -hmm. after five years, they finally happened just because I kept listening to them. And I was like, okay, this is a year this is going to happen because I, I want to change the, the recording here. So what was an affirmation that didn't happen right away that you could think of and what kept you going? Like, why didn't you give up? Yeah, maybe some, you know, health goals. I think health goals are very hard, you know, mm -hmm. like I, weigh this much or i eat a salad with every meal or i anything like that i found a little tougher right and some of them were just pushed aside by markets like like we can control there's so much that we can control but there's also stuff in this world we can't control you know i remember you know the first time i i, I became a millionaire you know, I think I the stock market was rising so high. This was like 1999, 2000. And, you know, it was just easy for people to make money. Everything you touch turned to gold. And, you know, I had like $1.2 million. And I was like, Yahoo, I'm a millionaire. And I just, okay, my next year, my goal was to have $2 million. I was like, well, shit, I, I've got a million. That was easy. I'm going to go to two. I set my goals and affirmations. I'm going to do this. I'm going to save this much at this rate. But the market had other ideas and that 1.2 million, next thing you know, lo and behold, it was, it was worth three, 350,000 because the market crashed and I had a lot of margins and, and, and things. And I just lost $800,000 in a period of a year. And I don't care how many affirmations I said or what I did it was worth what it was worth and I wasn't a millionaire anymore, you know? So, so there's, there's certainly market things that are out of our control. 
and, and you got to be ready for that. But the key is just to keep keep plugging along and you know not give up. Eight hundred thousand dollars to lose. That's yeah. a lot of money. That's a oh, lot of money to you to lose. How did you navigate that time? I mean, I I can't imagine losing that amount of money. I, I, uh, I get yeah, upset was, over a hundred bucks. So <laughs> I guess I had to convince myself easy come, easy go. You know, looking back, I don't even remember. Like I remember my account got flagged because it was high risk and the broker called me from the bathroom saying, You gotta talk to my boss because I'm gonna get fired because of your account. You know, I, I mean, I, some of it, a lot of it was my fault, you know, it was greed, but, but at the same time it worked temporarily. So anyways, I think, but, but I also think once your mind is expanded to that, once you're like expand, your mind is stretched, I'm a millionaire, you know what I mean? You're not gonna, it, it would be terrible to, to stay in that position where you're, where you don't try to get there again and, and reach the top again and just stay at, you know, to become a millionaire in the first place there has to be some drive behind it. So to lose that amount of money doesn't necessarily negate the desire to want to do it again. You know, it doesn't deter you. Well, some people it might, but for you, it didn't. So yeah, I was great. still in my thirties. I was still young and I had a lot of, a lot of hope left and a lot of time mm -hmm. left and a lot of ways to make it back. So. Yeah. You were doing real estate at that time as well. Yes. It wasn't was just selling real estate. Yeah. 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 It wasn't just a stock portfolio. And I understand just because I'm in the securities industry, what you mean by margin, I won't go into it and explain it, but yes, if you're not careful and you margin your brokerage account that you have in there, it can be, if the market changes in the wrong direction quickly, I could see where you could lose $800,000 in mm -hmm. the course of sometimes people is like overnight, you know, so nonetheless, doesn't negate doesn't make it any less devastating, but definitely I can see how, you know, see how that happened. If you could choose a different career than what you chose in life, what would mm. you do? Not real estate related. What would you have done? So I'm going to rephrase that question. Okay. If I could. Sure. So if I was born, if I graduated college with $10 million in the bank, what career would I have done? Because I think it's two different things because, you know, we're, because I'm a money hungry guy, I like money and I like, it, and my decisions were based on money. You know, the reason I got into real estate was my friends were selling cars and computers, making $150 every sale. And I, I saw that I could make $3,000 a sale and that to me made a lot more sense. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I saw a shortcut. I didn't love houses or love, you know, fireplaces and kitchens and people that were emotionally uh, hyped up in a process of buying the biggest thing they ever bought. I didn't like any of that. I liked the the game of of closing the deal and making money and that sort of thing. So, so if that's okay, can I can I answer it that oh, way? Sure. It's your podcast. You can do whatever you want. Well, that, that you know that <laughs> that that way, money's not you know what people want to believe that we have a choice, but you, you know most people don't have a choice. You know, mm -hmm. right? Most people have to make money. Women more than men have the ability to decide a labor of love. I think it's mm -hmm. kind of a, a bit of a double standard, right? But it, we won't get into that. But but the but most a lot of people go into where the money's at 
culturally their parents might tell them, hey, you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer, you should be, you know, whatever they think I'm broke, I need money quick that, that you know, being a high school gym teacher is only going to pay me so much, uh, even though I would love to do it, you know. Anyway, to so make a long story short, the answer is investigative journalist, because I, I like to stir the pot. I like to ask questions like you. I like to speak the truth and get to the bottom of the truth and cut through bullshit like nobody's business. And I think an investigative journalist who was, who was a freelance one, who wasn't told by like a newspaper what they could and couldn't report on who would just go to people's houses and go to people's workplace and stick the microphone on them and say, is it, you know, is it true that you stole $10 million from the company or is it true that you, you know, had an affair on, you know, with your secretary or is it true? You know what I mean? Like, like just that guy, right. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's something that uh, always intrigued me and, I felt would fit. Also, I have a creative sense and I feel like uh, a creative writer of, of some sort. So that all ties into, I guess, journalism, writing. That would that would be my answer. I think that's what I would have done. Whether I would have stuck with it, I don't know. But I think that if I had $10 million in the bank as I graduated from college, yeah, and it was today, mm -hmm. I would definitely create a sub stack account and just start investigating stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming the $10 million is what would help do that because the job isn't going to uh, psychological. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Because when you're 21, 22, you graduate college, you need money and you want money. You want a nicer car. You want to buy your first house. You want to buy a wedding ring for your fiance. You want to, you know, you want to save, you want to, there's a lot of things you can't afford. So there's a lot of things that you want to do. And sometimes, and a lot of times we make decisions on what, how we make the money that are priority to, oh, this is the work that I love. Right. So let me ask you then, when you started making money as a realtor way back, what was your view on, on stuff? You know, you just talked about the kids in their twenties, they want cars or they want this or they want that. I just wanted money. I was very minimalist, very, uh, you know, unflashy, very, I, I can remember being 23 or 24 and I had $8,000 and it was the first $8,000. It was the first large amount of money that I actually just had. I man, it was probably 22 that I didn't need to spend. And I called my dad and I said, dad, I got $8,000. What do you know? you know, should I do a certificate of deposit? Should I, what should I do with this? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, that's right. You know, a bank CD is fine. Would he give me some advice or whatever? I don't remember what it was, but I actually realized he didn't really know what I should do with it. And, and it was very, I think it was very uncomfortable for me asking him at the time, because I was thinking to myself, he probably doesn't have $8,000, which I, which I, I don't think he did. So it sticks out of my mind, but yeah, that's just, I just wanted to save. I wanted to invest. I wanted to buy houses, buy stocks, buy whatever. I just wanted to put it away. 
So how did you start learning about all that then? Because, you know, go back, I, I mean, same, same thing with me growing up, like we didn't talk about money. You never talked. That was like the taboo money and sex. They were the two things nobody ever talked about. Everybody hadn't did, but nobody talked about it. So how did you figure, figure it out? Not sex, the money. Well, I was a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a real estate agent, you know, it's actually, it's funny you say that because it's hard. People don't understand before the internet and before all that, we didn't really, like, I didn't know and related back to sex because I, I had wished the internet was, you know, I would have been a lot better at sex and a lot more better at picking up girls or talking to girls and everything if I had some sort of instruction, but there was literally no instruction at all, <laughs> you know? And the same thing, with, same. <laughs> it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. it was, there was no real book, or, or I guess there probably was, but it wasn't in my house. So, and the same thing with money, right? Like it was nothing. I mean, there were there was a few books here and there you could read. I think books help. Books were, books were more prevalent. Like people would recommend a book, and I would devour books. And there's courses you could take. There's people you could meet. Does anything stand out from that time? Well, I think I've built my whole life on learning from other people. And I think that's mm -hmm. why GoBundance, you know, in the long run, GoBundance is a perfect fit for my, for my soul, I think, because I'm such a people person and, and I, I get so much off of every person that I meet that I, I realize that other people get so much off of other people you know, more than you can for the most part from a book or a course. So, so I, I felt like that my whole life, you know, when I first started real estate, I can name off five people that had a major impact on me that I remember vividly. I could tell you what they used to look like and, and dress like and things they said and uh, advice they gave me. And, and I just kind of was like a very focused person for advice. And that's kind of how I learned was other people. I would say that's my experience today when I joined Emerge back in October. And then everybody that I've met since seek to give more than you take. But I mean, I just, I, I've had wonderful conversations with so many people and just walked away with a little bit of them each time for the, and for that, I'm thankful. And you're right. You know, you can only learn so much from a book. You can't really interact with a book that the way you can interact with people and, and learn and grow and, you know, give a little piece of yourself and take a little piece of them along with you. So that's what we were talking about. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask? No, I, I mean... <laughs> I'm an open book. I, I don't mind talking about anything. I like talking about everything. What's uh, on the horizon for you for your next adventure? Because I know you guys are all about adventure. What's the next big one? Colombia. Ooh. Yeah, we have about 15 guys going in September to Colombia, South America. Nice. And then we're going to do a lot of adventure activities and things like that. Who so gets to pick where you go? We have a bucket list committee, actually. Buddy Martin, Camille Morris, Imran Khan, Casey Wright are, are the four members that make up the bucket list committee at GoBundance. And they they talk about they're planning a trip to Australia next year. If you're listening, you could join GoBundance and go to Australia for an amazing two-week mastermind with some of the most successful people in the world. Mm, that's and that's for guys, though, I have to say. Yep. 
This is for the guys. Girls can't go. For the guys, yeah. Yeah. But there is a GoBundance Women's and they do. I'll talk talk about that. You know, the reason that we do that is because of, you know, we don't want to create an atmosphere of infidelity where, as they say, a willpower, this is probably, I shouldn't say this, but I will. It's like, it's, it's not willpower doesn't work, right? It's, it's why put yourself in that position. And so we don't mix the sexes, especially on a trip like that. And it's also like the wives have to give permission, right? For the husbands to go to Australia for 10 days. And so we do have a GoBundance women, they do their own trips and things like that. And and it works well. I, I think people are more authentic. You know, we have on these trips, we, we do our one sheets, we talk deep stuff. We have guys crying. We have guys, you know, explaining, confessing or, or being ultra authentic about things that, that I think they would never do if there were other sexes on the bus or in the room. And, and they're, and they're very, very uh, deep. So anyways, we have that, we have a Kentucky Derby. We bought two boxes to the Kentucky Derby and what else do Buddy and Camille have? They have a hike down the Grand Canyon and then back up the Grand Canyon. They're working on like a front row seats to an MMA fight in Las Vegas. Yeah. So there's several bucket list items that they're working on now. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, you know, I made the comment about the trip is just for the guys. And it, it was more of a factual thing. But from from a woman's perspective, I, I agree 100% with what you said. Because if you have a co-ed trip and you're really diving into some deep issues, it's very difficult to be authentic and talk about something if there's... from if there's men in the room or if there's women in the room, you'll be more careful about what you're going to say. And when you put a bunch of guys together, guys are going to talk about guy things. Likewise, same for the women. I had the privilege and experience to be able to go on a GoBundance Women's Retreat a couple months ago, and it was very intimate. And we talked about things that if there were men in the room, I think it would make it uncomfortable. So I appreciate that. That there's yeah. that they it just is what it is. Right? It is what it's it not, is, right? Right. There is a yeah. couples component, though. I mean, there is part yeah. of yeah, part of GoBundance. There is Go Wives. There's Go Fam, which is for the yeah. family, family and stuff. And I think there's a couples trip. There is. I'm going to Costa Rica at the end of October with couples, with you know, ten GoBundance couples. And my wife loves that. That's yeah. that's her favorite trip of the year. <laughs> That's great. That's exciting. Well, as we wrap up our time together, Pat, I it, it wouldn't be a Small Steps Big Wins podcast with at least having you leave us with some small step that we could do today that's going to change our tomorrow. So, Well, yeah, I mean, small steps, right? That's where people don't understand, especially today. I feel like these kids these days, they don't realize that the that the small steps lead to the big wins. Like they think that it just one big step and you're there to generalize. And I think that like people ask me like how to, okay, GoMundance is over a thousand members, men and women now. So it's like, people are like, well, how did that happen? You know, whatever. I was like, well, it seems like it was overnight, but 
we started this like 10, 11 years ago, like we were battling with this thing, you know, so t- it takes time. You don't realize that you don't see it. And I think the same thing is with wealth. You don't, you know, you buy a house, it's not going to happen overnight, but over 20 years or whatever, if you hold on to it, you're going to be doing well with it. The same with, with stocks, with, with anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the key is longevity. So I think the small steps are, are actually just taking the, the action of doing it rather than not doing it. And, and back to my original example of, you know, I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire. Well, the small step is I saved $10 today and I don't plan on spending it, or I saved a hundred dollars today and I don't plan on spending it. So so that would be the small step is you have to actually sit down and journal out what is the small step. If your job is, say, let's just say selling real estate, because that's what I did. Uh, I will call 10 people today and remind them that I'm a real estate agent and I need, I want business. That is the small step that I could do today that compounded if I do that every day I'm going to be the top agent in my office I appreciate your time Pat I really do I enjoy talking to you because you never know where we're going to go and and I have to tell you I titled the other episode that we did it was I think it was OMG wisdom real estate and rabbit holes conversation with Pat or something like that because it did we just kind of went all over the place but it was a lot of fun I enjoyed it yeah I try not to answer with cliches. And sometimes when you don't answer with cliches, you get very different answers. So uh, I do that on purpose. So, uh, and they, and they, it would be considered rabbit holes, but it, but I, but the dots connect. They do. Yeah, they do. No, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Well, you know, in the podcast world, you kind of need a catchy, you know, title anyway. <laughs> so people will listen. I'll take it. I'll take it too. Well, again, thanks for your time, Pat. Um, (laughs) I'm laughing because the last time I asked this question, I got the answer I didn't expect. How do you want people to reach out to you? (laughs) So the, you know, the answer to that is however you want, you know, personally, I'm on Instagram, which is my nickname, Wiggy, W-I-G-G-Y, Wiggy Hyben. And uh, you can always go to the GoBundance website if you want more information about GoBundance. You can go to Amazon.com for all all of my books. Just type my name in and um, I'm easy to find. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you very much. You know, (laughs) I'm laughing because I have to ask before we close, because it'll just bug me if I don't. How'd you get the nickname Wiggy? It was a fraternity pledge name because I got drunk and I ran around in circles in a dance. And they, they said, that boy is wigging out. And then every time I went to dance for music or, or whatever, they were like, look at him wig out because he's so, I'm so uncoordinated. So they just gave me that name. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> now, now I can officially end the podcast. Yes, now you can. I know where, where Wiggy came from. Pat, there you, you have an awesome day. Thank you. You too. It's always fun. I want to thank you for watching or listening to my podcast. I value your time with me because I realize you could be listening to someone else right now. 
And I also want you to know that I now offer coaching and consulting. So if you're thinking about creating a course but not sure how to structure it, or you have a small step you need to take to lead to a big result, but you're not sure what the in-between looks like, check out my website at www.suesaller.com for more information and to request a free consultation. Remember, life doesn't get better by chance, it gets better by choice. Take small steps and make today awesome, friends. God bless.